Hello and welcome to another episode on the Unfiltered Real Talk podcast. We hope you're inspired by today's episode. If you have not subscribed, find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, TuneIn Radio, and all major listening platforms. You can also listen on YouTube. We love to hear from you. So follow us on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter at Unfiltered Real Talk Podcast and leave your comments and feedback. Don't forget to share the podcast with your friends and family. This is your host, EJ. Thank you for listening. This is the second part of my conversation with my guests, Chiyere Ugu and Chikere Asogwa, two Nigerian youth living in Nigeria. So in today's episode, we're discussing the way forward for the Nigerian society. Thank you so much and welcome back to the podcast, Chikiri and Chichi. Thank you for having me. Thank you for having me. It's good to be back. Thank you for having me. Awesome. Awesome. So let's get into the conversation right away. So we know that the protests have sort of retreated and young people have returned home temporarily, I should say, and possibly figuring out what you're going to do next. So let's discuss what that means for the Nigerian society. Let's also talk about what their demands are. So we know hashtag 545, the five demands that they have requested from the Nigerian government. So I want to start out by talking about that and whether you think these demands are realistic or feasible. I do believe the demands are very, very realistic because top on the 545 demand is release all arrested protesters, right? Yes. I mean, if the protesters wearing violence, wearing, destroying properties. Why arrest them? It simply means the government are trying to infringe on, on someone's rights to speak up. And being able to protest is a right. As long as it's not violent, you're not um, destroying properties, you're not killing people, everyone is entitled to being able to speak up and speak their minds. This, this is a democratic government for crying out loud. And then um, the second on the list is justice for the diseased victims of police brutality and appropriate compensation. I would like to state here, no amount of compensation can replace the dead person. Absolutely. No amount of compensation will suit the pain the family of the disease is going through. It's just a way for the government to say, okay, so we feel your pain and we take responsibility. And we're all in this together. Because even if you like, write a check of one million, you can't buy your life. It's not possible. No matter what you do, the soul, the life can't come back. So it's just, it's very doable. I mean, when you check the amount, the amount of the, the monthly take home of some of our senators, it needs to be cut down. All those things can be handled. And then setting up an independent body to oversee the investigation or and prosecution of all reports of police misconduct it's 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 important someone needs to hold the police uh, force accountable for all their conducts until we begin to hold them accountable we will not stop hearing things like i can waste you and nothing will happen until they are held accountable for every bullet shot every every arrest made every misconduct because they are representing Nigeria as a force. So you don't you don't turn around to make the citizens afraid to make the citizens live in fear. So definitely they need to be held accountable for all their actions and they also need this body also needs to state this and this is what's going to happen if you default. This and this is the consequences of your misconduct. If you do this, this happens. If you do that, this happens. So any one of them that goes that goes contrary to 
the, the appropriate conduct, will be held responsible for it. And definitely will dance to the tune. So yes, we need to put all those things in check to keep them in check as well, right? We also need to increase their salaries. It is very important because I don't see how a man with five kids will be earning less than 40,000 naira. Is that is a it month? A guy, 40,000 naira a month? Oh, yeah, it might even be less than that. I'm not sure. It might be less than that. And then you send them out on the streets and give them daily targets of extortion, money to come back with. I, I know it's crazy. So you have those guys on the streets and their own is just to collect 15 naira. They, they're not searching your car. It's when you resist. They don't want to see your particulars. They want to see your fire extinguisher. They want to see your ex extra uh, spare tire they want to see your 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 spanner they want to see all the things that, that that ordinarily they would not ask if you just gave them 15 air. and they're not concerned you know about okay let's search this guy what if someone's head is in the is, is, is in the trunk of the car what if they just kidnapped someone if mm. you flash 1000 around no they're already shouting for you ah when you see oga you know already hailing you and the most important one which i even think should be the should be among the first when you when we talk about the reforming of police should be psychological evaluation right i think that's the fourth demand isn't it yes that's the fourth thing psychological evaluation we need to make sure the people we are handling guns to are sane enough to handle it we need to Make sure the people we are handling guns to are not people that are going to be walking based on their emotions. So you come out from your house in the morning, you have a quarrel with your wife, and then you're looking for how to transfer aggression, and then you land on an innocent use. We, we need to make sure that the people that are representing us are people that can separate their, their, their personal life from their official life. We need to retrain those guys. Let them understand what it is to save life and property. I think that's really, I think that's really important because I was listening to uh, a Nigerian news recently. He called into the to the news and he was explaining, or he or she was explaining that uh, the salary is so low. I think he said something around fifty thousand naira a month for a sergeant or also, and the living condition. So where they live, and this is somebody with family with kids is so dilapidated that he just could not bring himself or herself to be there with your family. Like, exactly. So he had to move to a private building, just could not live in those barracks. Oh. And so he, and he, and yes. he was explaining to the, to the news reporters that imagine if you are working and living in this kind of horrific environment and you're not paid regularly, you're paid peanuts anyway, what do you think is going to happen to such people? And you give you empower them with a weapon. You're going to use that weapon. You're going to exercise their frustration with those weapons, which I thought made perfect sense on the situation on ground today in Nigeria. It doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense. I'm going to talk about that. Yeah, I, it okay. makes absolutely Sorry. no sense. That is why I said that psychological evaluation is key. One of the things that you're being told, especially when you have a nine-to-five job, is from your work life. So, yes, the living condition, is not is not something to write home about but all the same it does not also give you the right to kill at sight it doesn't give you the right to misbehave because the person you're killing is not responsible for your issues okay so during all those um uh sas and sas protests and all and 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 then uh, i don't know if you know about faust the guy is a lawyer and and entertainer, a very bright young man he made a video one time saying that do we know that police officers have a trust fund Yes, that I is saw meant that to, video. to 
Yes, that is meant to see to their salary, upkeep, and this. And then there are certain individuals sitting on this trust fund and enriching themselves and then sending these guys on the streets, not even to protect lives, because most of these guys, most of these stations with their DPOs do daily, daily check balance. How much do you come in with? Give you targets. So you are on. So the they are giving targets. Targets for your boss on this for this like to monetary money targets on the streets. to come back with on a daily basis. I think market wow. Let's just add that this is speculation. So you see this information. Yeah. So this is this probably allegedly. You know? Yes, it's uh, it's speculation. Yes. Okay. So this information. It's not just from the grassroots. We need to start from the top, the top, and reform the entire system. Because reforming just those ones you put on the street and still leaving those ones on top that feel that they can maneuver and manipulate and do anything will still, at the end of the day, frustrate whatever reformation we are looking for. The world's accepted fundamental human rights that everybody has the right to protest. To say, I don't like this, especially if it has to do with government and demand that things be changed. So um, that number one demand is just, let me say, a way of saying to government, you must begin to show commitment to doing better as far as police reforms are concerned. We have a police force in Nigeria that the first thing that comes to their mind when there is any form of civil unrest is the use of excessive force. So I think as part of showing commitment that it's an organization that is open to change, Nigeria's young people demand that if anyone was incarcerated as a result of the protest, if anyone was arrested as a result of participating in the protest, they should be released with immediate effect. I mean, it goes without saying. The protests were peaceful. Let's not forget that. I think it's important that everyone remembers that by and large, the protests were peaceful. The wanton destruction that took place in the country didn't happen as a result of the protests. It's very, very important that we draw that line. The destructions that happened in the country didn't happen as a result of the protests. They happened as a result of number one, the Lekki Tolgate shooting. And then number two, as a result of the fact that before the Lekki Tolgate shooting, the government in various places had already begun to, well, allegedly hire hoodlums, sponsor them to go and cause to attack, sponsor them to attack peaceful protesters. Of course, I've kept saying on my social media platforms that these are the monsters we make. Okay? You sponsor these hoodlums and then you create an opportunity by the shooting for lawlessness to set in. Obviously, they were going to come back to bite them in the act. So releasing arrested protesters goes without saying we should be a gimme. Uh, I would also think that if the government wanted to show commitment to really reforming the police, they would, as a matter of urgency, begin to look at all the people held in police custody without um, court. If you go to an average police station in Nigeria, you see a lot of young people in, in the cells they have not been charged to court. They won't be let go. Obviously, our laws say bail is free. In fact, when you walk into an average police station, you will see bail is free. But you begin to ask why those boys are still there. They are waiting to be bailed out with sometimes obscene amounts of money. So I think that as part of 
the process, uh, the government should begin to look into arbitrary police arrests, start freeing those who have been arrested without cause. The second one, justice for the accused victims of police brutality and appropriate compensation for their families. I think that's um, doable. I think we start the conversation by uh, by saying, are these achievable? Of course they are. It's human beings that have been brutalized by the police. It's human beings that have been um, maltreated by the police. Um, it's human beings that have been killed by the police. These human beings have families with very, very, very um, and touching stories of grief. And these families are identifiable. So just like I said earlier, it's, it will show commitment on the part of government that these families are identified. And it is seen that government has made an effort to placate them, to tell them they are sorry. Because like Chinyere said, um, no matter the amount of money you give, I don't think there's an amount of money that is a substitute for human life. So we are committed to doing better. It's fair. And I think it is something the government should vigorously pursue. The third demand was to set up an independent body to oversee the investigation and prosecution of all reports of police misconduct. And during the protests, we actually gave the government 10 days. I'd like to say that most of the state governments in Nigeria have showed commitment in this regard um, quite commendably. Um, I live in Enugu State and I know there's, there's a panel of inquiry that, as at the time of this recording, has begun to seek. Okay. There is a panel of inquiry in Lagos where Lagos is basically ground zero for the protests. So these panels have begun to seek. Uh, it's, important, it's important to point out that after the time of this recording, um, government has shown commitment in this regard and it's, it started. Um, but one can only hope that, number one, all the people who would like to attend the hearings and make their submissions are giving their hearing. Um, one would also hope um, that the Nigerian factor doesn't catch up with this. I mean, it, it's it's a panel of it, most of all of them are panels of inquiry. So I think um, the police should cooperate with these panels and um, come when they are invited. There are two sides to every story, and I think they should all the parties involved should make it um, a history process as much as possible, if it's going to yield any results. But let's keep our fingers crossed. We've seen these panels before. <laughs> Most of the time, the Nigerian factor caught up with them. But I have hope for this one. This was engineered by an awake Nigerian youth. And I think that there is a count. The, the, the reason for the count from the Nigerian youth is basically to look at government's stated commitment to meeting some of these demands. And I hope there's, there's a lot of hope that these panels of inquiries will really uncover most, some of the atrocities that have been committed by the police and then um, create the first steps or the foundation, if you like, for prosecution. Some people have to go to prison or to jail for this. Um, 
it's it's been so widespread we we have to and prosecute even if it's not prison prosecution should happen and people should be some of these policemen who were involved with this brutality should be made to pay one way or another for these crimes police brutality is basically crime against humanity that's what it is and we hope that this panel these panels will go a long way towards achieving justice for all the victims. Um, the next demand is in line with the new police act, psychological evaluation and retraining, you know, for all the police officers, including the environment staff. Well, I'd like to quickly add that there's um, a few months ago, the National Assembly and the presidency signed the new police act into law. So there's actually a new police act um, and this is where I'd like to commend um, Mr. Shegu Awasaya, um, Segalink from Twitter. He was himself and his uh, team and some members of the police force really worked very hard to bring up a new police act. And if not for the antecedents of SARS, if not for the problem of SARS, there was really hope that if the new police act had or becomes implemented going forward, we would really begin to see a different Nigerian police force. We would really begin to see a more professional body. I've looked at some of the contents of the police act, and for the first time in a very long time, I was filled with hope as a Nigerian that if, 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 if we're honest about implementing this act, we are going to have a police force that is fantastic. So um, one of the elements of the new police act is that um, before you are enrolled in the police, before you are assigned to active duty, you would go through psychological evaluation to ascertain your license suitability for the job. Like Senior said, people should be able to separate personal lives from work and in the police that is um, quite frankly very very important i don't think everybody who works in the nigerian police force right now should work in it yeah i think Most it even them. goes beyond separating your professional life yes that, that, that was just an you example. know because you have to even be sure they're even fit to be police officers mm. because yeah. if they don't even understand that you're certain situations that you are not supposed to utilize violence that you can use dialogue then you have no business being a police officer so there are oh, just certain oh. elements that training and proper education can buffer that is required even before you hire an individual to fulfill the duties of a police officer yeah and one of the basic qualities that i've read i've read something before i don't know if it's for nigeria but one of the basic qualities someone is supposed to possess before joining the for any kind of force is basic empathy. There's, there's a, there right. are ways to psychologically ascertain if someone has empathy as a basic human trait. So I think that that's why um, one of the provisions of the new police act is that you, you, you go through psychological evaluation and periodically as well, so that we have a police force that understand it. I think, I think one of the principal problems of the Nigerian police force as it is, 
is that they do not understand. I think it's lost on them that they are actually public servants. They are our servants. That's right. They serve us. They are not, they are the enforcers of the law, but that applies to when laws are being broken. The average Nigerian policeman is aggressive. There's a natural stance of aggression when you meet a policeman. Chinyere gave a big example, which I'd like to expand on. There's not supposed to be stop and search unless, number one, there's a report of a security situation in a particular area or you have been you've been proven or you are suspected to be in possession of illegal stuff but in nigeria the police mount checkpoints on the road and they look at your face and from looking at your face they tell you to pull over during the last recording we talked about profiling there's a lot of profiling that goes on if you're a young person you're wearing dreadlocks and you're driving a car, they'll, put, they'll, they'll pull you over and begin to ask you for your license and registration. But I yeah, know that. I heard people's personal like, experiences, that guys yeah. that had dreadlocks, they were automatically stopped. If they yeah. had iPhone, they're in bigger trouble. Some of them, yeah, that, one that, person that, even shared like that. that they were, went through this their phone looking for a foreign number. And that if they had seen a foreign number in his phone, he's sure he would have landed in detention or you know one of apart them. from that they look for bitcoin wallets and stuff like that wow. it's it's crazy so yeah, what i'm actually driving at is in the police in police interactions with people there's a lot of aggression there's a lot of unprofessionalism there's a lot of um inbred suspicion the police is naturally suspicious of the average young Nigerian, naturally. But why is that? Why why are they naturally suspicious of the young person? What is causing them to have that It's a product of the system. It's a product of the system. You know, Nigeria suffered colonial rule and then military rule. Our police, our current police as it is, is a product of the military era. I'll give you a few examples. In other countries of the world, the police uses cars for patrol, okay? Well, in Nigeria, our police force uses trucks for patrol. It's a military thing to patrol with trucks. It came from the military era and has still not been changed. Number two, in other countries of the world, to limit the amount of force an average police officer is able to meet out, they use small arms, pistols. But in Nigeria, our police force uses assault rifles across the board. Assault rifles are for war, okay? But an average police officer who is on traffic duty has access to an assault rifle, AK-47. Uh, yeah, I, I, you know, I've visited Nigeria many times, and I don't think I've ever seen them with a small handgun or something good. of that nature. That is a product of the military regime. We okay. have a police that was birthed by our rule by the military. The, mil- the only thing the military knows is force. When the military had to procure arms for the police force, naturally, they procured the AK-47. When it came to equipping the police with equipment, naturally, the military gravitated towards 
um, equipment that will serve the military. So you asked why there's that natural transmission. It's mm -hmm. the product of the system that Nigeria came from. And that is why we are crying for these reforms. And the retraining, absolutely. Yes. I see. So part of it is a reorientation. I mean, uh, the average policeman should have the orientation that is in service. And I think this number four demand will go a long way to achieving that we need to be able to ascertain that the people who we entrust with enforcing our laws and, and, and protecting us, you know, in a manner of speak, are always in the right frame of mind are, and have the right kind of personality Absolutely. To, to do the job. And then the final demand, police salaries to be increased so that they are adequately compensated for protecting lives and property as well. This is just our way of I think this number five was our way of telling the police that part of this fight, part of this struggle is for you as well. We, it wasn't a selfish struggle. Those of us who were involved in the peaceful protest, one of the things we recognized is that the average policeman is poorly motivated and um, poorly remunerated. In fact, most of them live in squalor. I've had the opportunity to visit some police barracks before. Um, I don't want to mention um, specific barracks Absolutely. for obvious reasons, but I have been to at least two. I have to say it. Uh, no human beings should not live in such conditions. So the caller I mentioned about that I had listened in uh, one of the Nigerian mm. stations on YouTube is exactly, I think those actually were his or her words. Yeah, so like I said, the, their compensation is poor, their remuneration is poor. However, okay. it's important to underline that that is actually the Nigerian situation. EJ, it would surprise you to know that for a lot of businesses in Nigeria, for a lot of young people who have first-time jobs, you don't earn more than 35,000 naira, 40,000 naira a month. My first job after I had finished my NYSC. I worked briefly in Lagos. My first job was 40K, and I lived in Lagos. I couldn't afford to live in Ikeja, where my office was located at the time. I lived in Pestak, and I worked in Oplebi. The transport cost for me on a monthly basis was about 26,000 naira. That was as far back as 2013. It's a lot more now. And I was paying 40k, and I thought I was being underpaid until I started interacting with my friends who worked for that company. It was across the board. I mean, Nigeria's minimum wage is not up to 40,000. Putting that into perspective, in Canadian dollars, it's about 160 Canadian dollars a month. How poor is that? It is very How poor. poor. I don't Good. think anybody Good. can live on, I'm sure that nobody can live on $160 a month anywhere in Canada. In Canada. Now, there are people who, now there are, it's not just people, there are families where the principal breadwinner ends that in Nigeria. These are verifiable facts. So the, the police being under-motivated, being underpaid is a Nigerian thing. It, it has to be said, it wasn't, it is not particular to them. And that, that, that defeats that idea that their unprofessionalism, their inability to behave well, their rootlessness, their aggression is because they are underpaid. I think anybody who works for the country in a force should first of all be patriotic. 
Patriotism is a demand on everybody who is a nationalist, but more so on the people who represent what the country is about, like the police and the military or the National Civil Defense Corps. So it is unjustifiable to say, ah, the police is so brutal because they are underpaid. It's actually criminal. It, it has nothing to do with what you earn. It is criminality to wake up in the morning and decide that today you're going to prey on unsuspecting motorists, unsuspecting young people. You're going to try to glean as much money as possible from the population. Most of these guys set out every day to do this. And there are some people who believe they account for these things. High up the police hierarchy. Allegedly, of course. Allegedly, of but course. But you're led to believe that's actually correct because if, if it wasn't true, it would be so widespread. Until recently, you everywhere around the Nigeria police checkpoint. Enugu is one of the safest cities in Nigeria, but the number of police checkpoints in Enugu is amazing. And what do these guys do? They especially go on the lookout for Keke. I don't know if you know Keke, the last yeah. time you were in Nigeria. Yes. They look out for Keke drivers and yellow bus drivers to extort them. You know, they'd stop you. And when, they, when you're stopped, you're just expected to provide your 15 and just go. And um, that is based on the premise that most of these Keke drivers, their papers are ever complete. Now, if you now happen to be a Keke driver whose papers are complete, they're going to waste your time. They will pull you over, look at your papers, you know, try to demoralize you by, you know, making you wait, you know, because you won't do what others are doing. So it is not, I want to quickly shut down that notion that one of the reasons they are, is that because they are undermotivated, there's some sort of justification for them to... Yeah, so um, I, I, will, I will say that I'm definitely not justifying it. Uh, and I don't think yeah. that color that I was talking about was justifying it. I think it's just a reason. It's not a justification, yes. so but it's because it's, you've equipped this person. I think person. it should be unstated. EJ, what I'm basically saying is that it should be unstated. I don't think okay. any police officer should say that. It, they shouldn't even mention it. Because before you enter the police force, you actually have an idea of what remuneration is like. It's Absolutely. And you know the condition of So you know what it is, and then you yeah. go into it. And, and you went in like anyway. You resign. Absolutely. Yeah. So it, I don't think any police officer should say, oh, we are poorly compensated. So this, no, no. It's I would also say that what about other professions in Nigeria that are poorly remunerated? So why, why are they that not example. going around killing people, you know, no, having their own checkpoint? That's why I give that but example. Again, that's those people are not in uniforms. Yes, that's why I said it's a Nigerian thing. It's not peculiar to the police. Our minimum wage was only recently reviewed, and it's still nothing. I don't think it's a reason for criminality on the part of mm -hmm. people who are supposed to uphold the law. So, but it is it goes without saying that the police in Nigeria is poorly motivated. It's not just pay. I think they should be motivated. Ways of motivating them things to motivate them should be introduced. Um, I think, and I have to add that the government should, hand in hand with members of the public and the police, this should be a joint thing, work together towards creating forums for the police and the people to interact. 
one of the things we need to quickly eliminate as part of police reform is the natural suspicion that goes on, um, the, the natural suspicion that the average Nigerian has about the police. That needs to quickly be addressed. The average Nigerian is more, when, when I'm driving out of my house, when I'm driving in the street, um, as an average Nigerian, I think I am more afraid of encountering SARS than I am of encountering Androbas. I'm more afraid of my encounter with the police wow. than I am with the, the with maybe Androbas or so. And when when there's something to report, if, if I have it, if I have an issue with the law, maybe someone breached my fundamental human rights, I should be able to go to the police with hope and not with any form of trepidation, as it is. You go to the average politician, they make you suffer. You know, just to write, to submit a report, to write a statement, they will tell you, ah, police does not have a printer, police does not have pen. Mm -hmm. When they start saying stuff like that, it's just for you to give them money. Like, I think Nigeria is the only country in the world where you go to make a police report and you have to drop some money. These things should be corrected. So it goes beyond increasing their salaries. I think. So to start, because you said the first thing that Nigerian police, and you said one of the first things that Nigerian police need to do is to stop this suspicious behavior towards young people. How is yeah. that even going to happen? Right now, I'm not sure that young people have any respect for the police or or police officers there's no respect it's fear it's fear the, what the average young person in nigeria has for the police is fear i have to underline categorically that it's not respect it's fear so how do and we right go people. about gaining trust and respect in a relationship that really should be both ways this respect uh, and trust for me i think that the first step should be taking actions right into into achieving those penned down points in the acts because what we need now is no longer we will but we are doing every youth needs to know that okay we are trying to reform the police where we need commitment not just from saying it has been put into motion and uh, we are about to we need to see it being implemented i you know the truth is this when you when you haven't been taught how to do better it's almost impossible to know how to do better until the until you've really been put through the ropes of okay this is what i expect of you this is what you're expected to do this and this and this you will not know better so i feel to me the first point is to bridge that between you know the fear between the that the youth has for the police force like jikere said a lot of people are afraid, more afraid of the police force than robbers, than robbers. Because it's very possible that you're driving on, um, on um, should I say, a 15-kilometer drive, and you, you're, you're bound to meet probably three or four checkpoints, and all will want to extort money from you. And if you're not willing, they are either going to delay you to look for something to pin you down with. So mm -hmm. I feel that the reform should start being implemented and we need to start seeing the implementation. Whoever it is that has been evaluated and is not fit should be compensated. So I, for me, I feel the implementation of whatever it is I have written down the police act should commence immediately. We need to be seeing it. Do you understand? We need to, because if they start and then they know that we know 
what the act says, and then we are also holding them accountable, they will not misbehave. Whatever will be coped to a very large extent. The, the Nigerian police force, as it is, is a product of military rule. Nigeria has moved on from military dictatorship. So we should have a police force now that reflects the fact that we are no longer a military dictatorship, but a democratic um, government, if you, if, you, if you like. So I think, number one, the police, the face of the police needs to be changed. In other countries of the world, the police is not a force. The Nigerian police still answers the Nigerian police force. From the colonial times, right? Yes, that is from the colonial, not just the colonial times, from the military rule. The police is not supposed to be a force, at least not in the discharge of their responsibility. Absolutely. It needs to start by rebranding. Mm-hmm. It needs to. They need to stop seeing themselves as a force. It's the military that is a force. They are, well, I see, civil protectors of the law. And then, as part of doing that, I think AK-47 should be taken from them. It should be taken away from, you know, mobile police officers or people who are, you know, who do, yeah. who do patrol yes. job. Like it's AK-47. It's it's crazy for you know yeah. average police officer to be carrying this, and it's not like this. Like you're not going for some kind of uh, battle. Battle, it's, exactly. It's called, it's, called, it's, an, it's a type of assault rifle. It's an assault it's rifle, used, absolutely. It is used for the heaviest of battles. That's what our police use. And I think when, when you're interacting with a police officer and he has an assault rifle, there's a feeling of fear that grips you immediately. immediately. And then I have to add our police. I said this before. To I don't know who I'm going to put this to, whether it's the government or the police or to the people, but there needs to be a synergy to create a community where the police and the people interact as co-citizens and as patriots. I shouldn't see a policeman as my enemy. I need to begin to see him as my friend. I need to begin to say I rely on the police. It is when this is at, no matter what laws we make, one of the Nigerian problems is implementation. There are some very fantastic laws that we have, but they are never implemented. If you go to court, they are drawn out, you know, very drawn out legal mm. processes that frustrate you and you drop mm. them. We have a, a fundamental problem as a people with implementing policies, programs, and laws. Beyond laws, police needs to improve their public relations. It's as a matter of urgency. EJ, do you know, as at the time of this recording, because of the one-ton destruction that happened, do you know that it looks, I'm not saying this for sure, but it looks like our police force or our police have withdrawn their services from the public. Yeah, they, no, it's the police, sad. So the police it, is it, not can you just put, shed some light? Is it that they are on strike or they are just not providing police services to citizens. Now, I want to underline that this is what it looks like. I'm not saying that's what they are doing. But after the criminals took over um, Nigerian cities and destroyed stuff, obviously some policemen were attacked. Our police have seemingly, I want to be very careful with what I'm saying, our police have seemingly withdrawn their services. I had someone whose shop was boggled recently go to report at one of our our police stations she went there, her small business was boggled in, I think, Independence Day House. One of her staff went to report the burglary to the police. And 
the police lady that was at the front desk that was supposed to collect her was rude, was mean, and clearly told her that if you don't bring 5,000 naira, you should get out of here. Say, you people don't want police. You wow. people will see. We are. It looks like that's where we are. While I sympathize with the police for the lives that they lost during the protest, I mean, it's unpardonable, it's not acceptable that any policeman should be killed. Their jobs are hard enough. We shouldn't make it look, we should, they are already under-motivated. We shouldn't demoralize them as a people. Two wrongs don't make it right. So I stand against, you know, killing police or maiming them or beating them up. The police have to remember that they are the vanguards of protection for Nigeria constitutionally. The job of protecting lives and property is government, and the government does that through the police. If it is true, if it is true that it is intentional, this process of withdrawing their services from members of the public and from society, if this is an intentional thing, police cannot go on strike. I don't think police is allowed to go on strike. I'm not sure. The reason behind that is because police is government. If police go on strike, it's just like saying the government went on strike. Mm -hmm. I think this points to the unprofessionalism that I am talking about. You don't, the police force, the police is not supposed to react this way. I think what they should do is quickly, rapidly, and with every sense of urgency, begin to work on improving their relations with members of the public. There were police, there's a policeman in Onicha, very popular, that during the destructions that went on, when the youths came towards his police station, he came out, he's not even an Igbo man, he's an Aosa man, he came out, and as he started addressing the people, they started hailing him. Why? This DPO had consciously, over the years, built good relations with the community where the police station is located. He, as I'm talking to you, he is seen as part of the community. He goes for their homeowner meetings. He goes for their wow. celebrations. That is an wow. example. You can verify what I'm telling you. I've forgotten his name. But that DPO is an example. That His police station was not vandalized. His men were not brutalized. This is in nature. You can find out. That man is an example to the entire police in Nigeria. With better relationships with members of the public, your job is going to be easy. You, you will have a better time policing. If people trust the police, can't do community policing in a community that doesn't trust you or with a, and, and do it successfully when you're not trusted. So I, I need to underline that going forward, if we are going to achieve a police that is going to be proud of themselves and that the public is going to be proud of. We need to work on improving the public image of the police. So we need to do this with immediate effect. And if the police is going to achieve that, I'd advise that they cut their ties with everything that they inherited or that they got from Nigeria's um, state in military rule. By the way, the DPO's name is um, Rabiu Gaba. Yes, an exceptional policeman. His dedication and passion to his profession is, you know, very commendable. He is worthy of emulation by any anyone in the police force or police services. Abi, not force. All right, for me, you know, still police force. Still police force for the purposes of Nigeria. <laughs> My sister is police force. <laughs> okay, well, you mentioned um, the 
the, the case of the report from a store that was um, broken into and then they said five. That, that is actually one part of the story. I have a neighbor who happens to be a police officer. You barely even see the man leave his house after all this killing of officers and all this has happened. And you know, you, the way you just ex- exchange this and ah, my is your husband and he's fine. I, I've not seen him in a while. She said a ago that the husband is actually quite afraid of living and doing their regular duties. So yes, it's true that we will have some eggs in the force that will say, yes, so people think you can do, people think you can do, but I really don't think we should generalize because there are some genuine ones that still want to come out, right, to do their jobs, but are afraid of being lynched. Yes, some people might actually be in the police force saying, yes, so since you don't want us, we'll not do it. And that has been very unprofessional. But we should also note that there are also some group of police officers that are not out on the street, not because they are angry, but because they are afraid. But because they are afraid, because the truth is this, if anything happens to them outside in the cost of duty, it's very sad. We don't have a government that, you know, can actually take up their family responsibility or can actually take up or compensate properly for their loss. So yes, we may have some people that will not want to come out because they feel, okay, do me, I do you. But we also have another, maybe a minority that are afraid of going out. So I think we also need to balance it right there. So it won't look like everyone in the force are now demons. Do you get what I'm saying? Absolutely. Yeah, there's always going to be, in any profession, there's always going to be some bad apples. So it's, it, it falls on the system, the structure that is there to make sure that these bad apples are duly removed or addressed. So what I want to talk about next is something that might have to lead into a larger conversation, possibly in, a, in another um, podcast. What you talked about, you and Jikiri talked about implementation. You know, we, there is a legislation now that has been introduced newly, the Police Act. We need to discuss how we can actually start implementing these activities, how we can actually start seeing these things come out in action. And you talked about training, uh, public relations, better remuneration for police officers and all of that. My question is, with regard to really getting to the root cause of police brutality and addressing it right there at the root cause, do we feel that maybe it's a larger conversation beyond police brutality and police violence in Nigeria? And perhaps it's actually corruption, impunity, you know, nepotism and these kinds of issues within Nigerian system structure and leadership because for this implementation that we've talked about to actually happen at the police level because police is just one section of the arm of government for it to actually happen don't you feel that these issues of bad governance and all of that need to be addressed before we can actually tackle police brutality me you you actually hit this the, the nail on on the head everything really does fall down lies on a bad bad government because it is actually a fabric from an old fabric. It's actually not realistic to have certain arm of a government working well when the government in itself is not functioning the way it's meant to function. If we have an accountable government, a government that understands that you are actually for the people, by the people, and not just going into power to do your own bidding, First of all, that trust fund for the police will be put in check. These guys will be properly taken care of, properly trained, equipped for their duties, and we will not be seeing more of these things. In the first, in the first instance, of if we had better 
government, there will really be no need for this protest that happened in 2020 because the society, the economy at large, will be functioning properly. We'll have both the healthcare on top notch, we'll have both the school system amazing. We will not have situations whereby you can't even send your child to a government school because you know that when the child is done, it will take an extra curriculum activities to have the child stand with his peers that attended a private school, which shouldn't be so. So all this uh, decay we are seeing is the roots of everything is bad government. If we can fix the government, definitely everything will align. So saying, okay, I want to fix the health sector mm-hmm. when the health sector is not like a government on its own or, or an arm on its own. It is attached to somewhere. Yes, it's attached to somewhere. So fix the roots, the roots that, has, that is actually the base where all the things stand and we'll fix the rest. And every other thing will begin to align. I'm trusting that with this new movement, that, that things will really fall in place because we are beginning to have youths get, become serious about being involved in this, the next stage of government. Not just wanting people that have been in government since I was a child. And they are still here. As long as they are breathing, as long as they are alive, they are still here, which is so wrong. I don't see why, as a five-year-old child, someone I knew that was a military head of state is still coming back. Now I'm in my 30s. I don't, I don't, I don't understand what I used to do in there. And you're not even coming with new ideologies of how to push and take it to the next level. It is still the old way of doing this. It is still the, you know, no one is even trying to... Another thing, so we also need to uh, reform, uh, come up with a new constitution. The previous constitution is not working. Do you know a constitution that will actually align with our national anthem? During the protest, the national anthem made more sense. Not the way you go to school, God of creation, arise, you just sing it as kids, and then you just know, you, you know how to sing it. But truly, truly, it began to make sense. Every word in it began to make sense. And do you know, our national anthem alone can guide us for, for this great nation. Because what we don't seem to realize that this anthem is actually, it should actually be a guide on what Nigeria should build on and should keep building on. A country where there is peace and justice reigns. Here, we don't have it here. So my sister, it's really, we can't just say, well, this is our problem. They are the offsprings of the bad governments. That's my own take That's my own opinion. I, I want to disagree with you, Mary. No matter how bad the government is, the police, I, I want to emphasize this. Every bad government, we say a government is bad because we have laws and the government is seen to be bad when the activities are not in line with the provisions of the laws or the guidelines of governance. Is that not correct? Absolutely. It, it, good. Now, no matter how bad a government is seen to be, the police should at all times be the standard bearer of the law. EJ, you but, but don't you feel that the police serve coming, the government? Yes, okay. I, I'm going to explain myself. EJ, you live in an advanced society. You live in Canada. Is it not the police that arrests corrupt government officials where you live? Well, yes, essentially. Good. Good. Why? They do that because they are the protectors of the law. You get. That's right. They are the protectors. They are the protectors of the law. 
Without them, law and order breaks down. And then he begs the question, why will our police be bad? And people will make excuses for them that the government is bad. There's a solution to that. Number one, everybody in Nigeria believes that our police needs to be decentralized. The poli police management in Nigeria is too cumbersome, if, if I would say that. Fed from the federal government, police is managed from Abuja. So state governors really have no control over their police force most of the time. A decentralized police will mean that police is local. In Canada, in the US, in other countries, we have, let's say, what's, what's your, you say police in Edmonton. Yeah, so the my city is Edmonton, Edmonton and the police it's not, is It's not the police, they don't, they, they don't, the police in Edmonton is not the police in Ontario, for example. Absolutely not, no. It's different. It's a different province and they have their own police over there. Good, and that is why they function well. The chain of command is local. Policing is local. The enforcement of human rights is local. Public relations is local. Do you know it's that at in Nigeria? Level. Absolutely. Good. Do you know that in Nigeria, a governor can say, I want this to be done so, 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 and so, and so way. And somebody from Abuja will call and say, that thing cannot happen as far as security is concerned. And the governor's hands are tied. Wow. That is, and it is the principal problem of the Nigerian situation. You just to be clear, to be the police is answering to the federal government. It's not yes. at the state level. Yes. Okay. Yes. The police needs to be decentralized. Police needs to be local. Number two, as part of making sure that police work, I am of the opinion that there should be a certain level of autonomy for the police. Why? Police is able to go and arrest a sitting president in advanced nations of the world is because the president does not order the police. The police is autonomous. It's not the president that has to give the other, okay, let police salary be increased. That's right. Before police salary be increased. No. It doesn't have to be the president. Absolutely. It's not, it's not the no. president that should say, okay, let's acquire more arms for the police before arms are acquired for the police. The police should be autonomous and because it is the vanguard of the law, because it is the standard bearer of the law, it should be funded like a state government should be funded and have autonomy. In other nations of the world where things work better than Nigeria, you have county sheriffs. Mm -hmm. These sheriffs are elected. Yes. So the leaders of the police should be elected by the people. If you're going to be a if police is local, and you want to be a police commissioner, people should be able to see, okay, look at his antecedents, look at his record in the police. I think we should elect. People should campaign. There, there are, in other countries of the world, you campaign now, you show your record. If an, you are ambitious in the police, you're hoping to attain the post of commissioner or the post of sheriff, as the case may be, your track record will be excellent. Whether society, and I'm saying this and I am underlining it, we accept that the Nigerian society is bad. Of course, our leaders are the product of society. It's not enough to say reform government. The people. Yeah, of course, we are the society. Government is the product of the people. It is the society that produces the leaders. That's so a right. bad society will produce bad leaders. You can't run away from it. Well, you can't say, I seriously insist that you can't say society is bad. So it is expected that police will be bad. We shouldn't have to say that. 
If society is bad, it should be the police that will work towards fixing it. If we are all lawless and the people who should enforce the law are also lawless, what is our hope? So we decentralize the police, we give them autonomy, and we create a system where the police is accountable to the people. And that is why I said that it takes me back to my earlier argument that the structure of the police was created by the military. The, mili the only thing the military knows is force, authority, and control. If you go against the military, they imprison you or they kill you. You couldn't say your mind. You couldn't agitate. You couldn't do any of that. But we are in a democratic dispensation where fundamental human rights is paramount where it is the people who say how they want to be governed. We can't have a police that is all about the military enforcing laws in a democratic situation. It's not going to work because the only thing they know, the only way they were trained, their fundamental outlook is based on the military. And we're saying the military is for wars, the protection of the, in, the integrity of the country, protection from internal and external aggressors. But we have the police who behave like they are the military. So we decentralize the police. If the police is local, public relations will improve. People will relate to the police as our thing. It's our thing. If I'm in Enugu, I need to be able to say that the police is Enugu's police. If I'm in Osoka, mm. let the police be in Soka's police. That way you know who the policemen are, you know where they live, you know their head, you know how he got to become the head of police. It is when these structures are put in place that we can really say, okay, we have a police of the people. If we keep saying the society is bad, how do you expect the police to be good? We will never have the rule of law in Nigeria. One of our biggest problems is that people, some people know that they can do some stuff and get away with them. That is only possible because the police is not autonomous. If you know who controls the police and you have access to the person, you control the police. The only reason why people will have civil disputes in this country, it is the law that police should not interfere in civil matters. But do you know, EJ, that in this country, if me and you, we have a land dispute, I can call the police for you. Well, you can call the police, but I think the police has to obviously do their investigation first. Now, I'm, I'm using land dispute is a civil dispute. The police should not get involved in it unless there is violence or unless there's a threat yes, that's, of violence. Yes, that's exactly what I meant. But because people have access to the powers that control the police. Because the police is not an autonomous situation, people abuse the police. And the police knows, the average policeman knows that if I, I know this is the right thing, but I can be stopped from doing it because Abuja can give order and it will stop. I know this is the wrong thing. I can do this wrong thing and get away with it because obviously see what my DPO does be now. That has nothing to do with society. I think people should understand that the police should be held in the highest, police should be held to the highest form of responsibility. Nobody should make excuses for them. It is expected, it should be a natural expectation that the police will uphold the law, that the police will be professional, and that the police will not be aggressive. There should be no shortcuts. There should be no, the police must be seen at all times to be standard bearer of the rule of law. So if there's if the police is autonomous and there's corruption in government, 
It's the job of the police to fix it. I think the former Australian prime minister or president, the one that resigned as a result of plagiarism, he resigned when a police investigation was opened. Benjamin Netanyahu of Israel has been arrested by the police even while president. These are verifiable stuff. Can the police go and arrest even a serving minister in Nigeria today? You can't because <laughs> you dare not. How can you bite the hand that feeds you? So if a serving minister is seen to be diverting public funds, to be misappropriating public funds, who holds him accountable? Nobody. And I think that's what we're talking about, that there needs to be responsibility and accountability at the higher levels of government to actually truly hold can I say something? police accountable. Yes. I agree with Chikere. Chikere just cited what should be in a functioning society where the police force has been decentralized. This is what we should expect. <laughs> but in Nigeria that we are talking about now, now, this modern day Nigeria, this Nigeria that me and Chikere lives in, the police force has not been decentralized. Until that is done, until they are able to stand on their own as a separate body, not, not being smothered by the government, whatever it is, they will not be able to function according to how they are meant to function. Because truly, Chikere mentioned that you cannot fit, you, you can't buy the finger that fits you. So you cited a scenario of what we should start expecting, and I'm hoping this is also part of the reforms, because if decentralizing is not part of the, of the new police act, I'm sorry to say, the bad governance will still have an upper hand in the function of the police. You cited what should happen. Let's say that our police force is decentralized. They are now on their own. They are handling things the way it should be, like other counterparts in the other part of the world. But we, we don't have that here. They know why they have refused to decentralize it. Because both those in the government and those on top know what they gain from not, from not having it decentralized. So until we can tackle that issue of decentralization, we shouldn't be ego-hado. Uh, because okay. you just cited scenarios of well yeah, I, I, of, I have uh, to agree. That I have actually put in place. I've actually you know put in place these things that I've had to do. Until we can do what they have done, nobody should expect the result that they are getting. Because we have a government that wants to lord over every single thing. And until these guys are able to detach themselves totally from the government, I am so sorry, Chikere. Now, she spoke first and she made the presentation that the outlook of the police is the outlook of the government and, and also, and by and large, the outlook of society. Everything I said was to disagree with that. I, I ended by saying that it should be a natural expectation that no matter how bad government appears to be, the police should be seen to be upright. There's, there are no two ways about it. It's not obtainable in Nigeria, but we, we, what we are discussing is the way forward, right? Yes, that's we what can we're discussing. Be looking at, we can be looking to move forward and expecting to continue to do, do things the same way. That's just the thing. When I talked about the decentralization of the police, I was just giving ideas into how other countries have achieved it. We might decide, okay, we're not going to decentralize the police, but our police should be upright. No matter how bad society is, if the police is not upright, 
in upholding the rule of law will break down. There'll be no law and order. AJ, I totally yeah. agree with Chikere. I totally agree with what he's saying. But can I be honest with you? Until we are able to separate the police force, even those ones that come in with good intentions are being swallowed up. Why? Because there are certain cases that will want to be handled. In fact, even, even without evidence, we already know that this person is at fault, is at this. But you will hear things like, we've pulled you off from that case, back off. So most times, it's not like you don't have people in the force that want to be upright. But those people at the top, especially in the, in the police force, are answerable to a very large extent to the government. And therefore, they so cannot like hold saying, that standard that Chikiri is talking about. Exactly. So the first step should be and that is what decentralizing this this force. That's what that's what needs yeah. to change. So you understand me? So if we can, the police should be upright. If we cannot, if we cannot separate the police from the government and make it a standard body on its own, then we are only left with ensuring that our government. That we, that we get rid of the corruption, we get rid of every bad egg for them to function well. If not, I'm sorry to say to Chikere, what you're just telling us is what should be, but we're not tackling what is actually on ground. What is actually is on ground? Because you can tell it, me is it senior, that the- senior, that... senior is a little pessimistic and I understand why. The Nigerian outlook is that way, but I am very, very hopeful. This, you know, one of the things that is happening now is that government officials are confused. They don't understand how the events of 11th to 20th October was able to happen. They don't understand how we were so organized. Mm -hmm. They don't understand how we were so accountable to each other. They don't understand how we were able to, in a very few days and just with little information, dissemination, we gained so much traction in society that got the entire world talking about us. I think it scares them. And I think that this is a fantastic opportunity for us. Why do I say this? This has never happened in the history of Nigeria. Maybe it has happened, but not as well as it's happened here. We have actually got government to commit to police reform. It gives me hope and it galvanizes my idea and my outlook that we can actually have better than we have in Nigeria. Truthfully, truthfully, we have bad governance because we have a bad society. These, are, these people in government are a product of society. Society is terrible. We're going to obviously have terrible leaders. But what I'm saying is even though society is bad and society is producing bad leaders, the people who are charged with upholding the law, whether they have been decentralized or not, should be seen to be upright. It should be a basic expectation of law from law enforcement is that there'll be uprightness in upholding the rule of law. As part of what we are doing to fix society, we there are a number of young people, I am one of them, who are in conversations right now, especially in Enugu, to have a youth advocacy group or a youth advocacy program. We feel that what we were able to do can be taken further if we have an advocacy group where young people just come and interact and commit amongst ourselves. Now we're going to do good in society. We're going to be seen to be upholding the law in society and that we are actively going to get involved 
in the processes that lead to the production of our leaders, the electoral processes. How do we do this? We hold people accountable. During election time, we don't um, involve ourselves with people who the antecedents are not so good. Make sure that politicians understand that they are no longer going to rig themselves into power, but it is who the people vote that will get into power. These things, yes, they are at the early stages, but I know it will be done. Young people need to get involved in politics, maybe not by participating in governance, but by ensuring that we dictate the process that brings up the people who go into governance. I know that that will be a first of many steps towards achieving good governance in Nigeria, making sure that politicians are accountable. And I strongly believe that the event of 11th to 20th October can help us do that. What is clear is that the average young person is powerful. Nigerian young people are actually capable of organizing themselves and keeping this country running. So if we hold these leaders accountable, they will. This and other stuff I'm sure will be coming up in the coming months will ensure that the 2023 elections will be about competence and about who the people want. But that aside, we must begin to hold the police accountable. We must begin to expect the highest levels of responsibility from them. I will never, ever, ever accept that we should give the police a free pass because of the intervening variables surrounding their operations, like interference by government, government, hijacking by politicians. Nobody can tell me to expect, to lower my expectations from the police because of that. If you're going to work in the police, you should be of the highest moral fortitude, if you like. You must be seen, you must be someone whose willingness, whose number one idea is the upholding of the rule of law. I will not, I insist that I do not accept that our expectations should be lowered. Even without reforms, we should expect no one is saying be, our expectations be, be should be at lowered. Their best. But we are simply just stating what it is at this point in time. No, our conversation is not about stating See, what it on, is. Our conversation, wait, senior, our conversation is about charting the way forward. If if this conversation is about, hey, look at how it is, what are we having this conversation about? It's for the way forward. They, they, they asked a discussing. direct question. He just said, what are we going to do to do better? And I'm saying, I'm simply insisting that the first part of call is holding these people accountable. And the way to do that is to have the highest, highest, highest expectations from them. What, whatever society is, police must be held to the highest levels of responsibility. No, there's, there is no lowering that. If we're going to move forward, if we're going to have a better police, it will begin by society holding them to the highest levels of responsibility. That's my point. We're not having a conversation about what is obtainable now. No. What is obtainable is not acceptable to anybody. If what is obtainable is acceptable to everybody, there would have been no entire protest. What we are saying is, how do we move forward? And this is it. Moving, I agree with him. Moving forward, yes. We also need to start implementing what is in the act so that we can start holding them accountable. Because, honestly, with, with the way our police force is, holding them accountable for, to, for what? To, to what aim? So if you ask me, the way forward truly, truly should be implementing whatever it is in that new act. And, and then we can now say, you guys have gone through this, this, this and this. And then we are holding you accountable based on what has been handed over to you 
I might also say that if this reformation is also going to take place and be successful, a lot of top shots in the police force needs to be laid off. If not, we'll have reformation on paper, but not implemented. Absolutely. Thank you. And, and I think we talked about that earlier as part of discipline, disciplinary actions when police officers sway or stray away from their responsibilities. So I'd like to conclude our conversation today along the lines of the way forward for us citizens. So we have talked about police reform extensively, identifying strategies, including policy measures that can be implemented to reform the Nigerian police. And so what I want to talk about now as we conclude is our responsibilities as citizens, especially as young people, and we hold a lot of power. First and foremost, a preface is that when we talk about accountability, responsibility, you know, reform, and all of that, it's all from a peaceful perspective, from the perspective of peace, always. So that aside, I want us to speak to the Nigerian youth those in the diaspora, those living in Nigeria in particular, on what we can do. What is our responsibility? What should we do or what have we been doing that perhaps we want to continue doing? Or what have we done that perhaps we want to discontinue doing? You know, my mind goes back to uh, the recent uh, statement by one of the artists turned politician Desmond Elliott, who uh, you know, made a statement that got a lot of backlash because he used some words that were just not the best, alluding that Nigerian youth are children and possibly to ban social media. So I want us to put that as a backdrop and talk about what we Nigerian youth should be doing and others should be doing to support this reform that we want to see and to enhance this better government and better Nigeria that we want to see as we work towards the way forward and moving Nigeria forward? Basically, for me, I feel the number one thing we should start doing, which we've already started doing, is speak up. Okay. Because most times, silence is seen as a yes, is seen as we are all part of this. So when something is not going as it should go, and you're silent, it means you're okay about it. Which, that is what we started doing. The protests, the social media talks, uh, letting the whole world know what's currently happening. I think that that's the first step in the right direction. So in Apart meanwhile, you're trying to say thinking, social media should continue then, basically. It should continue. That, that voice it is should speaking continue. up on social media, all of that. It should, because... Because how it are we seems able like our politician, our dearly beloved Mr. Elliot, seemed to think the other opposite, right? Because <laughs> he was well, talking do, about it, respecting <laughs> our elders... <laughs> Making sure no, these children don't on, walk into the Obama's house. You know, so if you're talking about using social media as a voice, our Mr. Elliot does not seem to have that opinion. Internet, because I watched the interview, he spoke actually from a place of emotion, which a leader should not. He wasn't properly put together before he, he gave before he gave his speech. Which but if we are holding have. people at high standards, are we campaign, not supposed to hold him at our politicians campaign. at a high standard the way we want to hold our police officers at a high standard? Everyone should be held on a high standard. And also don't forget that you're dealing with human beings. 
And you, that is when people on high standard, how high is your own standard? And are you also living up to the standard you're holding people up to? As It's also another thing to look at. So yes, we should be held in high standard, but also we should also not forget that we are dealing with human beings. And there are times our emotion gets the best of us. There's Melinda is talking, without social media, how would he have done this campaign? He went beyond the grassroots of just Lagos or just which Ikorobi, which one is his constituency. Do you know where I'm coming from? Okay, Surulere. So he went beyond just moving around Surulere and calling for votes and all whatnot. He used social media. He spoke from a place of, of emotion. Uh, when he called us children, Desmelo too is a youth. I don't care whether he's a senator or not. He is a youth as well. So he also addressed himself. And he eventually apologized, which is one of the things I feel as a leader we should also be able to do. You should be able to retrace your steps and take responsibility for whatever action it is you've taken, whether bad or good, which I commend him for that. So yes, we should still keep speaking up our social media, uh, whatever means we can, as peaceful as possible. Another thing, we should also, as youth, become interested in the government of our nation. Because most times, up until now, elections, you hear things like, what you saying? how they go there? They've already read the election. We need, to start, we need to start getting involved, start making demands of having, of having youth also represent us in the government. And as well, like Chikere said, hold whoever it is that we've placed there accountable. We need to get involved as well. I think sometimes in yes, the case of misplaced priorities, sometimes we, you know, African people, we are very cultural, one, and two, uh, my, this is my opinion. I think we are very emotional people. We are quick to utilize emotion um, before we decide what we actually want to logically say. Exactly. And these things we have are, repercussion, you know. From, you know? Mm-hmm. We, we can't yes, be talking and, and about what? respect and culture when people are dying and when people are hungry and are starving. That's the last thing on anybody's mind. It's not respect, it's not culture. You can't even be talking about respect when you haven't respected the people you are leading. Okay, that's a great How do you respect them? By providing good governance. Simple. You made some agenda, some point agendas before going to office. Have you fulfilled it? Not doing what you said you would do is disrespectful because you're calling the person a fool. So when it comes to that respect issue, it's just, should I say, an African thing or a Nigerian thing where once you're older, you're always right. It is wrong. It is wrong. I see, I, I, I don't even understand how we would divert what happened on, to, uh, on the 20th and now starts shifting blame to looters that went to uh, take staff of authority. Let's not forget, staff of authority is not even the bone of contention. Lives we are not lost for staff to get missing or for shop rights to get uh, looted. It was much more than that. And all this decoy, I feel, is just another means to get people's attention off the main focus. So and we also need to get involved, we need to speak up, we need to be focused very important and resilient in our pursuit. You know what you want. We keep saying it, we stay on it until we achieve it. So it's quite possible that, you know, these politicians, leaders and Nigerian government as a whole can actually utilize social media to reach out to the young people in Nigeria. To be part of this public relations that Chikiri talked about earlier can even happen through social media. We, what, we are, what we are saying is, what can young people do to, on our part? Um, I'd like to outline the following um, that we're already doing. Number one, Chinyere rightly said, speak up. We, one of the, there's a Yoruba term for, that became the slogan of the protest, Surusoke, 
it means speak up. Okay, I think young people need to continue to speak. We've started speaking and they've taken note. We need to continue speaking. They are scared. The fact is they are scared. The traditional Nigerian thing is for elders to speak and for young people to cower in fear. Mm. You know, you bow and tremble. You have uh, mischievous elders and society just expects you to let them get away with it. I, I, I'm glad that there's an awakening. The Nigerian young person is awake to their responsibilities and our responsibility is to hold these people accountable we have a responsibility to begin to do better as young people if we are looking at a better nigeria because that's what we all agree um, reforming the police will organically lead to a reformed nigeria uh, a reformed police will organically lead to a reformed government but let's not forget that we are the people who will eventually go into government if we mm -hmm. are not good people we will still not produce good governance. We need to come together and begin to hold each other accountable, first of all. As young people, we need to begin to hold each other accountable. I'm, I was so happy during the protest, someone uh, talked about something on social media and I was so proud. Someone posted something like, um, this is a message to all Yahoo boys. You might think this protest is being done for you. We are not doing this for you. We are mm. going to come after you next. And that is what we want to see young people standing against the ills of society without being pushed without the police enforcing it we hold ourselves accountable make up our minds that we're not going to be involved in vices so one of the first things that we're hoping to do is to reach out to the young people who became violent um, after the peaceful protest the people who caused all the destruction they are young people like we are we need to reach out to them and bring make sure that we are all on the same table. Make sure that there's no divide between us because between the peaceful protest protesters and the people that were not peaceful, there's a divide. The guys that caused destruction obviously do not think the way we think. We need to make sure that all of us are thinking the same way and that all of us will work towards what is best for Nigeria. That's number one. And then number two, hold leadership accountable, speak up, do not let them get away with any nonsense like before. When you see something, you say something and you shout at the very top of your voice. I like how social media has helped with this. And I'm going to say a little bit about what some of the Lagos lawmakers were saying about social media that led to what Desmond Elliott said. It wasn't just Desmond Elliott. Uh, there was the Princess Ali Macaulay that spoke and they were all anti-youth. It's unfortunate. It just says one thing. These guys are scared. <laughs> it's never happened before. I don't think we should pay attention to any of that. They are just okay. scared. These guys are afraid. They have never seen that level of organization. I think one of the things that scared yes. them is the level of synergy and organization that we play. They know that if this continues, bad governance has ended in Nigeria. So they are scared. And I think we need to continue to push it. Call people. I like how Desmond Elliott was so called out. The social media term for it is drag. He was dragged like a small tiger generator. So much so that he reached out to Arise TV for an interview in the evening later. And he was apologizing. Chinyere said he was speaking from the place of emotion. I am a leader. I know I lead two organizations in Enugu. One of the things that is a requirement for every leader is emotional intelligence. You can 
you can't do without that. Absolutely. If you fail with your with the emotional intelligence aspect of leadership, you have failed because you will never be able to control anything. Desmond Elliott felt there was destruction in his constituency. He felt bad about it, and rightly so. But to hold social media, what he was basically saying. I don't know if, if you listen to him. What he was basically saying is that social media is responsible for the wanton destruction that happened in his constituency. That is a lie. Social media was not responsible. Like I'm I said, not even sure how social so media cool. will be responsible. As in the social media should exactly. exactly. like destroy things or like good. Uh, good. So now the, remember, let's remember that the protests were peaceful until sponsored hoodlums started coming. And then they shot innocent protesters at Lekki. Those sponsored hoodlums now took advantage of the fact that the state government had declared coffee to unleash destruction. So, if you look at this, who caused the destruction? Government. It was the government that caused the destruction. First of all, by shooting innocent protesters. Secondly, by empowering the hoodlums in the first place. The monsters you made. Bonner boy sang it. Desmond Elliott blamed social media and was recommending that there should be some form of regulation because children were being disrespectful. Well... That's it. Every good thing. Most, there, are, there are many things that have advantages and disadvantages. Okay? One of the um, disadvantages of social media is that everybody has a voice. Nobody knows who is older than the other. It's a Twitter account exactly. versus a Twitter account. So if, if I don't yeah. like what you're saying, I can call you, if, maybe because I'm ill-mannered, I can, you know, speak to you as I deem fit. That doesn't mean we begin to, that is called free speech for crying out loud. Regulating social media will be tampering with free speech. That will also be the breach of our fundamental human rights. It's not possible. Those um, ill-advised lawmakers, that's what I want, I want, I don't want to insult them. They are ill-advised. Princess Ali Macaulay actually schooled in the UK and all her schooling in the UK, she doesn't have any exposure. They were they were comparing us to China. They were saying stuff like that on social media. I like to remind them that they cannot compare both governments. First of all, China is a socialist country that takes care of her people. We can't compare ourselves to China. China does not practice democracy. We're going to do democracy. We must uphold the rule of law. So, and then thirdly, um, we need to, I'm going to conclude here. We need to, as young people, get involved in the electoral process. I mentioned that, first of all, we need to be involved in the selection process of our politicians, make sure that our politicians understand that we will not allow just anybody to go and run for office. And then when we event, when the elections eventually come, we come out and vote, select the people we want. If we vote, if everybody comes out to vote, it will be very difficult to rig the elections. I keep saying the elections are rigged because people have apathy to election. If everybody who is supposed to vote comes out to vote and you read, it will be clear and there will be an outcry and it will not work. I think that we should begin from there. Holding government accountable should have nothing to do with whether I am of the correct moral standards. No, you are in government, you are a leader, there is an expectation of you. That expectation should be high and it should be held high. It should not be lowered as a function of society. No, everybody in government should be held to the highest possible standards and to the highest possible levels of responsibility. I think with this, we will gradually and organically begin to move towards a better society and good governance. Thank you. Thank you so much, Chike. Thank you so much, Chichi, for coming on the podcast once again.
to discuss NSARS and the way forward for Nigeria. And you guys have truly nailed every single one of the points in the head. And I believe that this is something that is packed with information that any leader or an entity in Nigeria, and that includes the government, can utilize this to begin to address the concerns of the youth and to begin to address police brutality, bad governance as a whole, and moving Nigeria in the right direction of progress. So thank you so much for coming on the podcast once again. It's been a pleasure talking to you. Welcome. My pleasure. It's been a pleasure too. Thank you for having me. Thank you. You're welcome. This is the concluding conversation with my guests, Chinyere Ugu and Chikere Asogwa. If you enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe to the podcast and follow us on social media at Unfiltered Real Talk Podcast. This is your host, EJ. See you in the next episode. If you enjoyed today's episode, don't forget to rate the podcast and send us your comments and feedback. Thank you for listening and see you in the next episode. Thank you for listening to my conversation with SK and Adewola of the African Wahala YouTube channel. If you enjoyed the conversation, don't forget to subscribe and rate the podcast and we'll see you in the next episode. Thank you for listening to my conversation with SK and Adewole of the African Wahala YouTube channel. If you enjoyed today's episode, don't forget to rate the podcast and send us your comments and feedback and we'll see you in the next episode. Hey guys, thank you for sticking around to the end of the podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, don't forget to rate the podcast and send us your comments and feedback. I'll see you in the next episode. Hey guys, thank you for sticking around to the end of the podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, don't forget to rate the podcast and send us your comments and feedback. I'll see you in the next episode.